First one's from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though when I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That day when Ethan came, which I just went to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boats, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay. How are you doing? Good. Um, hello, everybody. Um, I, it's my pleasure to bring the, uh, this word to you today. Uh, I want to start by just asking you, now, maybe you've not met the person next to you yet, so turn to the person next to you, introduce yourself, and ask them this question, what do you wish you can control? Um, let me introduce myself. My name is Brian. I'm married to Stephanie. Uh, I studied my first degree here at Sydney Uni, and then recently I've just completed a second degree studying the Bible and theology. And so the EU's invited me to come and speak on this topic of longing for control. If you've got questions and comments during this talk, I'd really love for you to send them through on euconnect.me. If you leave some contact details, they'll get, they'll get through to me, and I'll um, do my best to, to um, give you a reply as well. So um, I, th I think that all of us, at some level, are longing for some kind of control on our lives and on the world. And what I'm going to do today is try to help us to imagine what does that look like in our own lives? How does that play out? And then I'm going to try to help us to see how does the Bible speak to people who long for control. And then finally, I'll try to offer a couple of ways forward. But let me try to help start by helping us imagine what it looks like to long for control. I'm an achiever. I set a goal and I work for it. I'm ambitious and I'm hardworking. And so I work and work and work and work because I'm gaining control of my own life. But sometimes it seems just the opposite way around. Maybe it's the work that controls me rather than the other way. Are you longing for control? I am. I'm a go-getter. Life is short and I'm not going to miss out. I've signed up to join 30 different clubs. 
I click interested on every event that my friends are going to. I am there at every free barbecue because I'm in control and there are hashtag no regrets. Sometimes though, I admit, it's the fear of missing out that's controlling me rather than the other way around. Are you longing for control? I am. I'm a leader, or at least I like to think so. I enjoy setting a course and giving others direction. But I don't trust my peers and my colleagues, so I micromanage them. Without thinking about it, I'm creating a culture of competition and comparison and criticism. I think I'm in control, but on reflection, I wonder if there's something controlling me. Are you longing for control? I am. I'm a people pleaser. On Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, I know what kinds of things get shared and liked and commented. I'm too cool to answer my phone, but I'm always ready to answer an instant message. I quite like my online persona, but I think I like that persona more than I like me. I'm in control of my social media, or maybe it's the social media that's controlling me. Are you longing for control? I am. I'm starting to drown under the waves of life. While I put on a happy face, in reality, everything is out of control. I'm struggling to get by, day by day, though you might not notice it. I slip under the ocean of life's anxieties and stresses, and I don't even know if anybody knows. Are you longing for control? Because I am. Who is in control of the affairs of this world? Who chooses well, whether there will be war or peace, chaos or order? Who is in control of their own destiny? Who, di who controls? Who gets ahead? And who falls behind? Who is in control and who can be in control of whether we are accepted, appreciated, valued, and loved? Don't we need these things? I put it to you that we want to be in control. We need to be in control. We long to be in control. But we're not. We're not in control. We have to have control, but we're not in control. And the Bible gets this. You may or may not believe that the Bible is God's word, but I hope to show you that the worldview of the Bible understands the situation that we find ourselves in. Our need for control but, and our longing for control. In many ways, in fact, the Bible is written exactly to people who feel just as we do who recognize that we're not in control, but we long for control. And so the part of the Bible I've chosen to do this from mainly is an account from Jesus' life in the Gospel of Mark. It's one of the four biographies that we find in the New Testament. And so here is what happens in this episode. Jesus has been teaching near the Sea of Galilee. And it's a real place. You can go there today 
uh, and it's a big lake, basically, toward the land, uh, uh, the north of the land of Israel. Uh, it's fed by the Jordan River, and it's drained by the Jordan River again. And here's a picture. So Jesus is spending the day, he's teaching by the lake, and there's so many people who are there on the shore of the lake that Jesus decides that the best way to teach them is to get into a boat and to teach them from the boat. And at the end of the day, when evening comes, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so, here, here's the thing, right? The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by these steep cliffs. And the geography of this area means this. The first thing is that there's a very big temperature differential between the warm and wet air that's on the sea and the cool and dry air that's on the top of the mountains above the cliffs. But it's, of course, because they're so, uh, 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 just the way that weather works, when these two things mix, the cool, dry air comes into the warm, moist air, it's quite easy for a rainstorm to form very quickly. And there's another thing that I want to show you as well. Look at this picture. What you're seeing here is the Kaslo building, the foyer of the Kaslo building, just really big. That is, what you're seeing is a natural channel which directs and intensifies the wind. It's a wind tunnel. And that's what happens on, around, all around the Sea of Galilee. And that means that whatever wind is there gets intensified. It's a shallow lake. The waves get whipped up really violently. It's quite dangerous to be on the sea when a storm comes. Well, this is what happens on this night. A storm comes up that threatens to overwhelm this boat. It's not a small boat. As far as we can tell, all 12 apostles, the first followers of Jesus, were on board. And some of those apostles were seasoned fishermen from this area. So they knew what storms could be like on this lake. And yet they're panicking. They're out of control. The rain is pouring in. The wind is picking up. The boat is churning in the water. And the disciples can't get the water out fast enough. They're out of control. They know that their lives are in danger. They could drown this very night. And meanwhile, Jesus is asleep. To him, everything is under control. The disciples wake him up. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, a few years ago when I was studying theology, I lived in the college dorms. And uh, one night, I was uh, in my dream at about 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, there was this loud, screaming siren all around me. And uh, in my dreamy days, I was very slow to realize that the fire alarm had gone off in the dorms. And I, so I woke up, naturally, I sat up in bed, and I was like, oh, yeah, do I want to get out of bed or not? Is it worth it? <laughs> uh, and then the fire warden, who was one of my friends, he knocked on my door, came into my room, saw me just sitting there in bed. And he was like, Brian, what are you doing? You have to get out. The fire alarm's gone off. Yes, you have to get out of bed. And so, uh, and so it was with Jesus. But whereas our fire alarm went off because someone was using deodorant in their room, at 3 a.m., I don't know why, <laughs> Jesus and his disciples, they were in real physical danger. 
And whereas I had to get up out of bed and make my way to the evacuation area, Jesus gets up and he speaks to the wind and to the waves in exactly the same way that he's spoken already to the evil spirits that he's been driving out. Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and everything was dead quiet. You've got to imagine the disciples sitting there on the dark and calm water. They're sopping wet from the rain and from the waves, and they're looking at Jesus in stunned silence. It's not the disciples who are in control. It's Jesus who breaks the silence. What? Are you all cowards? Do you still have no faith? But they are terrified. I reckon I would have been too. This is not the Jesus that I knew, I thought I knew. This is not the Jesus that I learned about in Sunday school. Who is this guy? And can we trust him? This is a story about people who desperately want to be in control, but they're not in control. And you know what? The answer in this story to their not being in control, it's not that they overcame the obstacle, not that they demonstrated teamwork and leadership and initiative, and they put in the hard work and they came out at the end. No, the answer at the end of this story is that there is a person who controls the forces that control them. In just two Greek words, Jesus speaks to the uncontrollable forces of the wind and the waves with all the force of God himself. And I wonder if that might just be a terrifying thought for some of us in this room. Because if a thunderstorm is barely controllable, how much less are we in control of God? I wonder if there are some of us who are hoping that God doesn't exist, because perhaps it's terrifying to think of a personal being who controls the universe. I want to show you this from another part of the Bible. It's on the screen here. It's Psalm 139. Let me read to you these verses. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. The picture of God that's painted here is a God who is inescapable. Because he is everywhere. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. You could fly up into space as high as you like, dig into the center of the earth. God's still there. Go as far east as you want. Go as far west as you can. God's still there. Now, if you trust in God's guidance, verse 10 is a great comfort to you. God leads me and he holds me fast in every situation. But if you're trying to flee, to run away from God, that's terrifying. 
that's the thief who's running and running and running and running, finally gets to his home, opens the door, and the cops are waiting inside. There's no controlling this God, no manipulating, no deceiving, no hiding. There's no space small enough and no shadow black enough to escape his notice. This is the God that the closest disciples of Jesus came face to face with. Who is this who commands the wind and the waves? Who is this who controls the forces that control us? And yet there is another way of reading this psalm, isn't there? The author of this psalm is not, in fact, fleeing from God. This is someone who knows God's goodness and his grace, his loyalty and his love. This is someone who knows that they will never be apart from the life-giving presence of the true and living God. This is someone who delights in being led and guided by God in every part of life because they trust God. Or we might say they have faith in God. And so that brings us back to Jesus' words. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still not trust me, Jesus says? The disciples wouldn't have been afraid of Jesus if they trusted him, if they had faith. They wouldn't have had to be afraid of him they wouldn't have had to be afraid of the storm because it was all under control, just not theirs. So the first question you have to figure out, if you haven't figured it out yet, is exactly the question that the disciples asked. Who is this? And if you've never read the Bible before, if you've never looked at it as an adult, because as you know, it's a book written for adults, not for kids, then I'd really encourage you to read through the Gospels. Investigate Jesus for yourself. Like any text that's been written 2,000 years ago, you might have some trouble understanding what's going on. And so if you came along with somebody, I'm sure they would love to help you read the Bible and help you understand it. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. And so if you go to euconnect.me, you write down a comment saying, I want to read the Bible, can, you, can I have one? Then uh, we'll give you one. But this is what I hope you will find when you read it. That Jesus is totally in control. He controls the spiritual powers, and he controls sickness, and he controls the natural elements, and he controls life and death itself. Jesus controls the things that control us. But I hope you also find that you can trust him because his character is one of fierce loyalty, of constant compassion, of uncompromising justice, and still of tender empathy. You might not understand fully who he is, but you know what kind of person he is. He might not be the guy that you want to invite down to the pub with your mates, but he is the guy that you trust with your life. He's the guy that you trust with your most hidden secrets. He's the guy you trust when the waves of life are crashing in. And he's the guy you want alongside you, guiding you through every part of life. Okay.
Well, let's start wrapping this up. We started by looking at this question. Are you longing for control? And I put it to you that we all, in our different ways, we're longing for control. And sometimes that might be a healthy thing, and other times it's really not at all. But more than that, there's a sense in which we all need a sense of control in our lives and in the world, but we can never actually have. There are forces and people in our lives that we can't control, even though we long for control. And then we looked at this story from the Bible about some people who definitely did not have things under control. And through their story, we are confronted with the God who controls the forces that control us. And so we reflected on the, that, how that reality can either be the most terrifying thing that you can experience, or it might be the most wonderful comfort. And so the question that we are invited to ask as we look at Jesus and read about his life is, can I trust him? Now for many of us here in this room, we've gone through that journey. We've read the Gospels, we've investigated Jesus' life and death and resurrection. We've decided that he is trustworthy, and he's trustworthy enough to stake our whole lives on him. And perhaps that's you, but you're still trying to control things that you don't have to control. Perhaps you know Jesus, but you're still trying to control things or maybe even people that you shouldn't control. Maybe you know Jesus, but you're trying to control things that you can't control. And if that's you, I hope you've been reminded today of who it is that you trust. Listen to these words of Jesus. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. If you're a Christian, God is your loving Heavenly Father. He loves you and He cares for you. Do you trust Him? And there's another image that the Bible often uses for God. It's the image of a shepherd tending his sheep. And we don't always and we don't often like to think of ourselves as sheep, but there is something about this image that is wonderfully liberating for those of us who are constantly straining to be in control. And this is how the king of Israel expressed it in Psalm 23. This is our first Bible reading. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
the king, the controller of Israel's armies, is comforted to compare himself to a sheep who controls nothing because he entrusts himself to the good shepherd who loves him and cares for him. And for those of us who are Christians, I wanted to share that with you as a psalm that you might choose to meditate on this week. But there are some of us here who are not yet followers of Jesus. But we could be, potentially. Perhaps there are some of us who wouldn't call ourselves believers, but we feel the pull of God on us. Maybe we once said, I honestly don't want God in control of my life. But as we've tried to live out the alternative, to flee from God, as it were, that hasn't left us any better off than when we started. And it could be that you know enough about Jesus to decide that you do trust him. Because faith isn't just about believing that God exists. Most people throughout history and throughout the world have had no problem believing that God exists. Faith is about trusting him. And some of us might might be at a point where we're ready to say, I'm giving up on trying to be the controller of my own life and of my world. Let me belong to Jesus, body and soul, for I trust him. If that's you, consider this your invitation to come to him. I invite you to join in the prayer that I'm about to pray. But if that's not you, that's okay as well. Feel free to come and ask me some questions afterwards. But for now, would you please bow your heads? Today, Lord, we are reminded that you control everything. But we are also reminded that you are our loving Father and our Good Shepherd. For those of us who are holding on to things that we have no need to control, please help us to let them go. And for those of us who are considering Jesus, please help them to understand him rightly. And for those of us who are ready to place our trust in you, we praise you that you welcome us with open arms. We declare that we are not our own, but because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we belong to him, body and soul. And we entrust ourselves to you in his name. Amen.